Deep Dives with your host, Natalie Donna. I had a film teacher in high school, Mr. Kaysman. He told me that everything in a film is intentional. Only very bad and sloppy films include unnecessary set deck or scenes. Though many work on a set, there are a few that control everything on it. A lot of this has to do with money, obviously. The bigger the production, the more control that production has over creating or recreating a scene. Cheap movies aren't going to get the best costumes, for example, or the most attention to detail. At the time Sgt. Pepper was recorded, the Beatles had already been engineered to be one of the biggest known names in pop and rock music. There are still some accounts that Beatlemania was completely orchestrated stateside by the Tavistock Clinic. I have no substantial information other than a recording made by Dr. John Coleman. He thought that the Beatles were manufactured by Tavistock. The name of this clinic should ring a bell, as it is partially responsible for the madness known as transgenderism. I am more of the opinion that the Beatles ripped off their favorite American rock artists at the time, most of whom happened to be black. However, the theory goes that Beatlemania was created by Tavistock specifically for America. I think the following YouTube comment has an interesting take. Motown started in 59 and had hit singles by 61. John and Paul got a hold of each of these and studied them to figure out what they would like to emulate. Paul could sing just like Little Richard on Long Tall Sally. Their ability to cover big hits by Chuck Berry was unmatched. They were modeling off their favorite musicians and songwriters. In Hamburg, they learned how to be all-around entertainers, performing 50-plus hours a week. Cutting that first album in one day was a feat. By the summer of 63, the puppet masters would have taken notice of the pending ascent, and of course, they would want to get in front of it and somehow direct the process. The second album was released on the same day as the big event, 11-22-63, uh, the assassination of JFK. 
The New World Order was flourishing and music was becoming the lubricant to help humanity withstand the fascist onslaught. It's conceivable that billions of beings off-world were monitoring human civilization on Earth. And if you allow for the concept that the observer affects the observed, this might shed some light on what it was like to be in the hot seat of being a maker of music as medicine for the masses. I believe we are monitored. Lennon and McCartney in the 60s had heart chakras. While they were being pursued by the dark side, they were still trapped into their higher emotional centers. You can hear this in what they were creating. Adorno shunned popular music such that his contempt for it would negate his ability to emulate it. On the other hand, I know that the Tavistock Institute is real, and I know the deep state did a lot to ignite and pour fuel on the hippie movement as a way of discrediting the anti-war movement. Dave McGowan explained that brilliantly with his book, Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon. So that's a YouTube comment. And here's some more of Coleman's Tavistock theory. And of course the Tavistock New Science scientists said that's exactly what they needed. They needed this new music that they could kick around like a football and then uh, pass on to mass audiences which would involve themselves in this new musical experience, a sort of fundamental revolution that would affect millions of the masses who are generally known to have only a very shallow experience in music. They used the Beatles as a poor proliferation of the drug use, drug usage amongst the American youth. Mm -hmm. And you know, this cover words in the song, the Beatles song, with Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, the stands for LSD. And the yellow, the yellow submarine was signified a particular, a particular type of get high drug it was like a yellow submarine in shape and uh, these were all code words which became very well known to the teenagers at the time well then let me ask you because I mean Lennon has denied John Lennon has denied LSD meant that but that's another thing what I'm curious about too is if you know if obviously the Beatles were a construct of Tavistock they they obviously knew things and I'm just wondering if Lennon is assassinated, which I think he was, I think that's an MK Ultra classic hit. Was he willing? Was he about to say something? I mean, was he about to give it away? Yeah, he was. And the, the Beatles, and it's not a spontaneous rebellion by youth against old social systems. It was a carefully crafted plot by Tavistock, uh, which of course they were careful not to identify themselves to introduce a highly destructive and divisive element into a large population group targeted for changes against his will. And the word teenager, by the way, is unknown just before the Beatles arrived on the world stage. Never been, never been heard before. All these were created, along with the music, they created a whole lexicon of new terms as well. Was, but, um, was Adorno chased out of Germany because he was an anti-fascist? was chased out of Germany because he was tinkering with children's minds. Okay. To music. To, to music. And he was promoting socialism, which was a very uh, taboo subject for Germany, being close to communism. The, the Germans equated socialism with communism. That's why he was chased out of Germany. He was actually tinkering with the minds of children through music. I got onto him pretty quickly, and he was chased out of Germany, and he was given sanctuary by the British royal family, and he was put up at Gordon's School, which, as you probably know, was where Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, and Prince Charles and all the British white lawyers get educated. 
gathered, gathered as many teenagers, preponderance of girls if possible, young girls. They were paid $20 each and bussed out to the airport in New York. And they started swooning and crying and going mad when the Beatles. They'd never even heard the Beatles' music, not been played in America. However, I think more was going on. I believe that Paul McCartney is practicing, or at least is interested, in the occult. On the cover of Sgt. Pepper, in the upper left, we see Aleister Crowley. These were supposedly people the Beatles admired. Why would anyone admire a man who enjoyed playing with his own shit is beyond me. According to the Sgt. Pepper Code, a document I found by Radwell Trabant, the cover of Sgt. Pepper was conceptualized by Paul McCartney and other artists. However, it seems, it was also in an early sketch of what Paul envisioned for Sgt. Pepper. Quote, Paul McCartney recalls in an excerpt from his biography, Many Years From Now, written by Barry Miles. As the recording sessions for Sgt. Pepper had progressed, so too did the work on the sleeve. First came Paul's initial concept of the Beatles standing before a wall of framed photographs of their heroes. One of his pen and ink drawings shows the four Beatles all sporting mustaches, wearing long military band jackets complete with epaulets, holding brass band instruments. Paul had an E-flat bass, the same brass instrument that his grandfather played. John holds a clarinet, George a trumpet, and Ringo a kettle drum. John has a sash and Ringo a medal. They stand in an Edwardian sitting room with a wall of framed photographs behind them and a few trophies and shields. To the left of the framed photographs is a pin-up poster of Bridget Bardot in one of her famous late 50s poses, kneeling with her hands behind her head. By some oversight, Bridget did not make it onto the final album sleeve. End quote. Was Paul responsible for the image of Crowley appearing? Is it possible that he was into the occult, as were a lot of other artists connected to the project at the time? It is obvious and well known that the Beatles were also seeking out gurus and four appear on the cover. However, it seems that according to Peter Blake, George's list was all gurus, and Ringo said, whatever the others say is fine by me, because he didn't really want to be bothered. Robert Fraser and I also made lists. We then got all the photographs together and had life-size cutouts made onto the hardboard. Blake has also said, It didn't occur to me that the waxworks of the suited Beatles looked like the Beatles are dead, long live the Beatles, and that they were looking at their funeral flowers, but it's an interesting idea. We set up a couple of myths to find in the puzzle, but most of them are dead ends. What's intriguing is how the mythology never stops. Blake is responsible for the art, and admittedly some of the mythology incorporated on the Sgt. Pepper cover. It was created to perpetuate mystery and intrigue, which is what brings us to another episode of Dystopian Deep Dives. My mother loved the Beatles, and therefore this episode is dedicated to her um, and thusly, she had all of their records, all of them. I listened to them as a child on a plastic Fisher-Price record player meant to play Disney 45s. The player could also play 33s, and so I did with my mother's Beatles records. 
The White Album particularly scared me, so I stayed away from it. But I often returned to Sgt. Pepper. The colorful cover and some fun songs probably were really intriguing to my kid self. I decided to put it on again and started to notice things about the lyrics. I started noticing that perhaps the Beatles were singing about the occult. John Lennon always denied that Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was about LSD, and now I think he was probably being honest. There are many who believe that John was assassinated because he was about to reveal secrets of the New World Order. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is a song about Lucifer, the light bearer. Diamonds are reminiscent of a hand gesture called the sign of Philosophus. It is well known by most that the diamond is an Illuminati hand sign. John Lennon wasn't writing about LSD. He was writing about Lucifer. We are about to picture ourselves on a boat in a river. Marmalade skies indicating twilight. This is a time when it is known that the two worlds of light and dark are active. Someone calls you and you answer, a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. There are cellophane flowers of yellow and green. The cellophane refers to fake. You are in a bogus world with a girl who has eyes that are creating mirror images, refracting reality and light, distorting it. Remember, this is all about inversion of what is real or good. Good no longer exists. It's all been distorted and abstracted. The yellow and green always remind me of The Wizard of Oz and Frank Baum. That's a different episode. However, I believe these colors are significant and included to refer to Lucifer. They are counterfeit flowers along a river of tangerine trees and twilight skies. All of a sudden, you look for the girl with the sun in her eyes and she's gone. After all, she's in the sky, and according to Crowley, we are all stars. However... She isn't really gone. She's by a bridge by a fountain with rocking horse people. They are trapped or fabricated or both. But she is not trapped, not like the rest of those silly people getting fat on marshmallow pies. You get in a newspaper taxi and you're gone until you're on a train in a station with plastic people wearing mirror ties. The appearance of the mirror is important. It refers to the fracture of reality, distortion. Lucy is there at the turnstile, either leaving or going, but always one step ahead. Is this character meant to be about Lucifer, an illumination? After all, the idea behind many secret fraternities is that the mystery or secrets of the world will be revealed to you after joining. Only then can you become illuminated. It seems to me that the Lucy figure is free and knows what is going on. Her eyes can see through the fake reality of the world. She is the light bearer, but also seems to lead the singer without giving him any chance to catch up. She eludes him in his quest to become illuminated. After this song, we have Getting Better, which I believe is the illumination. Lennon admits to being a wife beater, never apologized, but is changing. He could be singing about Yoko Ono here or the devil. To some, she's both. This is not an episode about Yoko Ono, though. After getting better, we have Fixing a Hole, which is clearly about meditation and being in some sort of cult. 
McCartney says it's about his fans, who you could argue were due to the manufactured success of the Beatles. It doesn't matter if the singer is wrong or right. As long as he is with the people who agree with him, it's all gravy. See those fighting losers who can't get in? They aren't allowed in my cult or my meditation room. <laughs> According to the Sgt. Pepper Code, Paul is incredibly responsible for the inception of Sgt. Pepper, and we know that they wrote a lot of songs together. It is difficult to know what goes on when music is being written. Musicians are a funny bunch. It is totally possible that Paul and John were influenced by the occult. Why else would Crowley be on the cover along with other creeps that the Beatles admired? We have a lot of creeps on the cover of Sgt. Pepper, all of whom probably deserve their own episodes. Some people think that Paul died, and his replacement is the famous person we see before our eyes today. I never bought into this particular theory. Paul was obviously hanging out with very rich and influential people, and today he is Sir Paul. Running with the royals isn't actually a really good look these days, though. My point is that Paul seems to be the Beatle most likely into the occult. If we take a look at his recent videos, we can say that he is either warning or mocking us with the imagery included. I'll have to save that for a part two. According to the Sgt. Pepper Code, Paul McCartney had struck up a friendship with the art gallery owner Robert Fraser, and it was he who took Paul to Paris to meet Alexandra Aulis in 1966, an art dealer for René Magritte, who Paul admired. He later purchased Les Jeux des Morts, The Guessing Game, a painting of an apple that many think inspired the Apple logo. The code goes on. Having educated his young friend with a crash course in art history, it was Robert Fraser who commissioned his client, Peter Blake, to paint a copy of Sir Edwin Landseer's 1851 painting, The Monarch of the Glen, to hang above Paul McCartney's fireplace in 1966. Robert Fraser is connected to a famous Satanist, Kenneth Anger. According to the Sgt. Pepper Code, it is Fraser's influence that would lead the Beatles to abandon the original artwork for the cover of Sgt. Pepper, designed by the Dutch psychedelic artists The Fool, and bring them into the sphere instead of Peter Blake. It is Fraser's more malevolent influence that would bring the Beatles and the Stones into contact with the cinematic works and acquaintance of occultist filmmaker and Aleister Crowley adept Kenneth Anger. Anger's influence and contacts, in turn, would then permeate deep within the hearts of both these camps, formulating and regulating their works for a long time forward, possibly even to the present day. It is clear to me that the elite circles in which the Beatles were running in were then, like today, deeply involved in the occult, or at least its allure. McCartney is still participating in the industry and making videos saturated with secret society imagery. The original list of characters to be included on the cover was before Blake was involved. The original list of characters to be included on the cover is as follows. Yoga's Marquis de Sade, Hitler, Nietzsche, Lenny Bruce, Lord Buckley, Aleister Crowley, Dylan Thomas, James Joyce, Oscar Wilde, William Burroughs, Robert Peel, Stockhausen, 
Adius Huxley, H.G. Wells, Einstein, Carl Jung, Beardsley, Alfred Jerry, Tom Mix, Johnny Weissmuller, Marguerite, Tyrone Power, Karl Marx, Rick Maul Compton, Dick Barton, Tommy Handley, Albert Stubbins, and Fred Astaire. What a pleasant list. <laughs> the Beatles are so funny. Crowley is still there. Obviously, some or all of the Beatles were into it. All of the people in these artistic circles of the mid to late 60s were at least in some way related to the occult. Paul McCartney is deeply embedded and continues to produce music that speaks to or for those that call themselves illuminated. Thank you for listening to Dystopian Deep Dives. Consider supporting my work by going to my site and clicking on Donate. If you like my work, please share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. Signing off for now, Natalie Donna.